This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, all our Torah Anytime viewers. Um, tonight, we're going to learn of Washlema for Dalia Naomi Bat Zakia, Yehuda Ben Roz, Kevin Bat Rachel, Yosef Ben Roza, and also Miriam Chaya Bat Bracha. Uh, and, and please, for whoever is listening over here and whoever is watching, I'm sure you have heard about Miriam Chayabat Bracha. Uh, I know the family personally, uh, and I'm, you know, she, they really need a, a lot, a lot of prayers. So please, if you're listening to this show, if you, uh, you're in the room over here, please, you know, when you come home, say a, t- a little bit of Tehillim. She need, they need as much, uh, all the Tehillim as possible. Tonight, um, we are going to, this, the topic that we're going to speak tonight is, uh, is going to be about rebuke, which means Tohacha. There is uh, the reason why uh, this, or, or AKA criticism. Um, now, the reason why this, this has been a, a topic that has been a long time coming that I wanted to, to bring, and I kept on pushing it off, and this, and uh, lately certain things happened that just pushed me over the top and be like, okay, I have to do it. And I'll tell you what one of the things was, is that recently I was speaking to one of the guys um, in one of my classes, and I've been speaking to him for quite some time, you know, you have to, about Shabbat. And I was, I was going, I was going hard on him. You know, if you don't keep Shabbat, I was going, it's worse than a murder. I was going literally on all the sources on how bad it is if you don't keep Shabbat. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. And you can see slowly, slowly getting softer and softer week after week of him hearing that eventually it's going to dig in. Then, um, he comes to me one, one day he comes to class and he's like, um, Rabbi, he's like, no offense, but I found the rabbi I like better than you. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. Oh Hashem, I'm very happy for that, as long as you found. So I'm like, what made you like better? What, what, what was the thing that made you like better him better than me? So he said, you know, I asked him, says, is it so important, the Shabbat and all the things that I have to do? Is that really so important? You know, it's really difficult for me. So the rabbi, which, which uh, whoever is just listening to this, I'm doing ear quotes, rabbi. I don't know if he had a beard, and that's why he called him rabbi. But he said, uh, um, he said, no, listen, you know, Shabbat is important, but if you can't do it, it's okay. You know, you do whatever you can do, and God loves you, and does that, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So he's saying all of a sudden, oh, I don't have to keep Shabbat. So um, this got me really, really upset, because first of all, uh, first of all, to be honest, I don't think this guy is a rabbi. He probably had a beard and he thought he was a rabbi and he just asked him that because I can't imagine a rabbi actually saying that. Yeah. It makes absolutely no sense. Well, again, so then he probably also wouldn't have a beard and he'd probably be a woman. So, um, <laughs> but at, at, the, at the same time, whatever it was, it's not a real, it doesn't sound like a real rabbi to me. Now, there was, um, you know, and, and this also is going to explain, you have some rabbis that, you know, they say, no, this rabbi is a fanatic, this rabbi is crazy, he's too harsh, he's too strict. So, what we're going to see over here, what we're going to be learning, you're going to see, you know, things that are, you know, a lot different than the way that the average people think of it. And in fact, most people think when it comes to rebuke, they don't understand it. They think that you don't need to do it. I think this is such a misunderstood concept in Judaism nowadays that I feel it's a very, very important um, topic to, to speak about. And... Additionally, the, the, uh, you know, we're going to speak about a few things. Also, you have to know how to rebuke somebody. If you, don't, if you think that you ha- have an obligation to rebuke somebody, and, you, need to re- and you, need, you want to rebuke them, but if you do it the wrong way, you could be doing more damage than good. The, um, and there's one other thing that made me, this is the thing that pushed me over the top, and I was like, okay, now I have to give the class, was I was listening to, to someone speak, and he was speaking about marriage and about um, you know, how you're supposed to deal with your spouse. And one of the things that he mentioned was that you're not allowed to uh, rebuke your spouse. Whatever it is, you've got to accept them for the way it is. So I really wanted to ask a question. But you know what? I, I had you know, respect. I didn't want to say anything. But it got me very, 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 very upset. What does that mean? I'm like, is that true? No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. But, but it depends. First of all, I, 
when it comes to your spouse, when it comes to marriage, you have to tread so carefully. You're walking; it's like a ticking time bomb when you're dealing with criticism and marriage. But there is there's two things over here. There's criticism where like some guy is shaking his, his foot so much and he's shaking the whole table, and you're by like you know enough of you already. You know, well, come on, why are you looking? Uh, you know. You know, some people get annoyed with, like, the stupidest things. I'm not talking about that criticism. I'm not talking about that type of rebuke. I'm talking about halakha. Which means is if someone's doing something that they're not supposed to be doing, you have an obligation to rebuke them. If your spouse is doing something that they're not supposed to be doing, you have an obligation to rebuke them. There is no... And, and, and I was like, I was shocked. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this guy knows what we're talking about. I went and I asked my rabbi. And I'm like, is there a hetel? Is there something I don't know in the Torah that says that if your spouse, you're not, you don't... I think the words was you're not allowed to rebuke them. And this rabbi said, I never heard of that, and, and no, it doesn't exist. So, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, well, you know, what's the thing? I, what I think it was a misunderstanding, what he really meant is that you cannot criticize somebody based on things that you don't like. But if it comes to halakha, you have an obligation. You have an obligation, we're assuming to see. So that pushed me over the top. That decided. But, but once we're dealing with criticism, you know, there are certain people that like to dish it out. You know, they have, woo, they have, they, they have a pocket full of criticism for everybody. So, um, the, so to start off, I, I, this, this uh, little story I think brings the point out very nicely, is that there was, um, there was once a father, a son, and they had a donkey. And they were walking down the road, and the father was on the donkey, the son was right next to the, the, the father, and they were walking. Meanwhile, the father you know, passes by a bystander, and he overhears a bystander telling another, another person, says, you know, look at this, look at this father. He's making that poor boy walk while he's able to go and ride the donkey. So the father hears this, and he's like, you know what? Uh, you know, they, uh, all right, I don't, I don't want people to start talking. He gets off the donkey, puts his son on the donkey, walks a little bit more. He walks a little bit more, and uh, um, he passes by another bystander. And this other bystander says, look at this boy. What a, look, he's making his poor father walk. What a fool. Father heard this and says, all right, what am I supposed to do now? So the father and the boy go sit on the donkey, and they, and they keep on going. Now, again, no one's going to be able to say anything. They walk a little bit more. Suddenly another guy goes and passes by and he says, look at this poor donkey. Two people have to sit on this donkey. So the father says, what do we do? Both the father and the son now go off the donkey and they keep on walking. They pass by somebody else and the guy says, what a foolish family. Says they have a donkey, not even one person is sitting on the donkey. So the idea is is that sometimes when it comes to criticism, someone's always going to be able to find something. Now, I'm not talking about that. We're talking about halakha. Halakha is is, either you're allowed to or you're not allowed to. Granted, there are certain things that I mean, but we're talking about spe- specifically halakha. So now, the things that I want would like to Bezat Hashem cover today, and we do have a, a limited time, so so we'll see how much we'll be able to, to cover. But this, these are the topics and ideas that I want to that I want to cover. Number one, do we have an obligation to rebuke? Is it is it exist nowadays? Very good. <laughs> do we have um, now? Now, this also is that there's many people that criticize, and many people that get criticized. But how many of those people are actually getting productive criticism and are able to accept it? Next is we're going to speak about also how you need to rebuke somebody. What is the process? How do you just do it? Um, also, we'll speak about how to <coughs> excuse me how to accept criticism. And this is a very important thing: is that what happens if you do the same sin sometimes? Do you have the obligation to rebuke somebody else if you sometimes mess up in the same thing? So, the next question is we're going to deal with is do you have to rebuke everybody? You see somebody in the street driving on Shabbat, do you start running after them throwing rocks? There's a certain sect that do that in Israel that's, uh, that's uh, 100% not according to Allah. But do you need to rebuke everybody? Who do you need to rebuke? And next thing is can you rebuke publicly? And lastly, I want to speak about is how do you know you have a good rabbi? How do you know that your rabbi is a good rabbi or is one of those yes men? Okay. So now, there is, we'll start off with an obligation. Now this, the obligation over here, 
is not something that, um, you know, they think, okay, it's rabbinical. There's a pasuk in the Torah, in Vayikra, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17. It says, Do not hate your brother in your heart. Rebuke you shall rebuke your amitecha. Amitecha is something we're going to have to translate it. Right now we'll translate it as friend. But it doesn't mean friend. It's a, it, it means something else. Or you could, no, it doesn't necessarily mean... It means... I mean, the actual translation is someone like you, but we'll have to explain that. And then it finishes off the pasuk. So now we have to... We see over here, there's a pasuk mifuash in the Torah. There's a pasuk in the Torah that says you have an obligation to rebuke. So right away over here, that should stop. And by the way, it doesn't... Uh, um, and there are certain things that only exist, let's say, in time of the Bet Amikdash. You look at the Sefer Achinuch, which is what I have over here. It's an obligation of the mitzvah that actually applies today. There's a, it's not something like you know only in the olden days we do. It's actually the obligation we have today. And in fact, there's a, there's a Gemara. I'm going to give you t- today. We're going to do a lot of sources. I'm going to source it in. Why? Because I think that people don't understand it, and they think I'm going to maybe making it up. I, I guarantee you, people don't know what I'm going to, what I'm going to say. So I'm going to source everything that you'll be able, whoever's listening, whoever's watching, to go and look inside and and actually uh, see what I'm saying. And you know, uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me. So there's a Gemara in Shabbat, page fifty-four, that says that whoever is, is, if he has a household and someone sins in his household and he has the ability to say something to prevent that person from sinning and he doesn't, he gets part of that sin. And it goes on further. It says, if let's say you're powerful enough that you have the ability to prevent people from sinning from your whole city and you don't say anything and they sin, you get part of that sin. And even more so, if you, let's say someone's so powerful that he has the ability to prevent somebody from sinning from the whole world and you don't, you get part of that sin. And this is, by the way, it's not only in the Gemara, it's also in Talmud Yerushalmi, in Shabbat, in the fifth chapter. The Ramah brings it down, Shalei Shuvah brings it down. They all bring down the same things, that if you have the ability to, per- to rebuke somebody, and you don't rebuke somebody, and that person goes and does the sin, you get part of that sin. Now this right here... Well, we'll speak about that. It's, first of all, that, that right away, you're, you're, in a good, you're in a good standing. This, that's why there's Rav Chaim Sofer, in Shalei Chaim, he brings down... He says, you know, woe to the day of judgment. After 120, when we got up to, you know, to, to heaven, you have to give the judgment. And they're gonna be, there's going to be a righteous man over there. And they say, this righteous man, he didn't keep Shabbat. And everyone's going to be like, what are you talking about? This guy's such a righteous man. The next righteous man comes up, says, this man, righteous man, he slept with a married woman. And everyone's going to be like, you know, what are you talking about? Slept with a married woman? The next righteous man, this man didn't keep kosher. I'm like, well, this guy was so careful in his kosher. And he says, if you had the ability to stop someone, prevent someone from sinning, and you didn't, you get that sin. You get part of that sin. Now, who, that's, that's, doesn't, that's not, you don't, I don't want that. So, number one, I'm not even enjoying that sin. It's like, you're doing that sin. I'm going to take, I'm going to take a hit for that sin. So, uh, not in my watch. This is why this is, it comes, there's no, in Judaism, it doesn't, uh, you know, uh, the, the notion of live and let live doesn't exist. You know, the, the, the famous story about it is a ship. You know, there's a very famous story. You have a ship and there's one guy, he has a, he has a small room in the bottom and all of a sudden they hear banging coming out of his room. So one of the sailors opens up, they go inside and they see that he's taking an axe and he's literally breaking the floorboards. So the sailor's like, yo dude, what's, what's up with, the, what are you doing? So the, the you know, sailors are happy. So, uh, so he goes and he says, uh, what, you know, could you please mind your own business? This is my room. Can you please close the door and let me do what I need to do in my room? And they're like, and he keeps on just chopping the wood. And suddenly the passengers come by and be like, what are you doing? And he's like, he's like, you guys mind your own business. It's in my, it's in my room. And they're all going, they're like, fool, you know, if you sink your room, the whole ship goes down. If water starts coming here, it's not just your room that's going down. We're all in it together. And that's how we are in Judaism. Judaism, we're all in it together. If some guy in China sins, 
it affects me. If some guy in China, I'm talking about a Jew, that does a mitzvah, it affects me as well. So I have an obligation for my fellow brothers and sisters that they make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And if not, then, it's, then, then it affects me also. It's not just like, you know, mind your own business. There's also thing as mind your own business. Well, there is in, in a certain sense. But then when it comes to, to, I'm saying, peeking everyone's windows and be like, are you sinning? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm saying still, you know, everyone has a privacy. But if you know of something that's happening, you have an obligation to actually rebuke it. Okay. Yes, please. Let's say they say you're still goody good. Like, shut up, no one asks you. Yeah. So, um, there is actually, um, and I'm trying to remember the source for it, but it says that, you know, the, the, the more that they laugh at you, the greater that your reward is. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm going to do that. <laughs> so, but that's idea. Okay. Anyways, the Gemara in Tamit 28a says that one should love rebuke. Because as long as they rebuke in the world, goodness and blessing come to the world, and evil departs the world. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Next, there is a Gemara in Sukkah, 29b, that says, I'm going to do a lot of quotes for the next like two, three minutes, so, so bear with me. Sukkah 29b, it says, one of the things that causes the property of people that own households to be taken away by the government is because they had the ability to rebuke and they did not. There's a Midrash, Midrash in Echad, that says, that uh, there was times that the great people of Israel, they looked away when other people were sinning. God says, there will, time a come, will I, there will come a time where I too will look away. And we see in Gemara and Shabbat, page 119, that Yerushalayim was not destroyed only because that people were, had the ability to rebuke and they did not rebuke one another. And there's also, there's a Gemara and Ketubot, uh, page 105b, that says, let's say you have a, a, a Talmudic scholar, a rabbi, that everybody loves him, know that there's something wrong with that rabbi. What's wrong with that? Because why is he not giving rebuke? Why is everybody loving him? There's something wrong with that. A rabbi has an obligation to give rebuke to his congregation. And if he doesn't give rebuke to congregation, so what is he there for? What is he actually, you know, one of the main things that he needs to do is correct, put people on the right path. And if someone's doing something wrong and he's not doing it, of course everyone's going to like him. He's getting a nice fat paycheck from, from, the, from, the, you know, from the committee. And that's a big problem. There is also, um, it also says in Tanah Veliao that says that anybody who knows how to admonish, give rebuke, and rebukes the public, brings content to his creator. The Rambam, in Ilchot chapter 4, says that there are certain sins that are so bad that if you commit them, you, God doesn't give you the, the ability, the, 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 the help to do tshuva. And one of them is for people that are able to give rebuke and they do not give rebuke. There is also the Chida brings down from Medrash in, in he brings it down in Parashat Noach, I believe, that says that you know, in the time of the generation of Noach, they had people that were upright, they were, they were decent people, but they didn't get saved. Only Noah got saved. You know why? Because Noah was the only one who rebuked anybody else. They, even though there were there were upright people, they didn't rebuke them. Because of that, they got destroyed. The Zohar, this is this is a good one. The Zohar says like this: says the angel of death does not have the same power over a man who is zealous for Hashem as he is over other men. So if somebody has the ability to be zealous for God and to give rebuke, he has protection, like special protection going on. There's one sefer that we're going to quote quite a lot over here: is the Kavah Yashal. I'm a very, very, it's a, it's an amazing sefer. If you're able to read it, it's very, it's Kabbalistic, but it's a very, it's, it's Musal. It's an unbelievable uh, sefer to read. The Kavayan Shal in chapter 101, he brings four benefits for giving rebuke. Number one, he says that the world is always, you should always think of the world as exactly 50-50. Which means is, that if you go, and you're gonna go do make a bochana, you do one, you do one mitzvah right now, the whole world just turned into, into merit, uh, that it's meritorious. If you're about to do something and you do a sin, the whole world tilts it. So what happens is if you're going and you're giving someone rebuke, know that you just changed the whole world and it's going to come uh, meritorious now. The, uh, additionally, the second reason he gives, it says that, first of all, very simple. You, you're fulfilling an obligation of... You're rebuking your friend and you, that, that's an obligation. You're fulfilling a mitzvah. 
Third, and he gets a little bit more Kabbalistic now, he says that, uh, you know, we, because you cause the honor of Hashem to be elevated, the reward for that is that you will merit children and ga- grandchildren who are God-fearing and whole in their character. Does anybody here not want that? I mean, I, I know I want that. This is like, you know, talking about a skula. This is a skula. You want this? Is, and he goes even more. He says after, after his death, this person that gave, gave rebuke, the fourth reason he gives, he says you go through 13 gates and nobody's going to object. Then there's going to be a certain angel that he says that he's appointed over the souls that issue rebuke to other people for the benefit of heaven. And he goes and this soul goes and he brings it before, before God and he goes and he gives, this soul gets re, the reward that Abraham Avinu got for doing, for doing Kiruv because he did, it says, That's what happens when you talk when you have a candy in your mouth. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I need the candy because my throat. All the, all the souls that he made in Haran. You know what? So he's, he made the souls, he gets that same reward. And furthermore, he says after that, he gives them 70 worlds in the next world that nobody's allowed to go in unless the people that only benefited the public through their rebuke. You know, imagine I tell somebody, it says if you go, you see that person over there across the street, um, go and tell them they're not allowed to smoke on Shabbat. Just, you know, go tell them whatever, give them some rebuke. And uh, the guy says, and I, and I tell him, if you do that, there's a certain building on, you know, on Broadway in Manhattan, you're as free and clear. No, it's a, you just do that, you're going to do it. Who's going to, he's like, I'll, I'll go door to door and tell people to keep Shabbat for every building. What, are you kidding me? I'm told, 70 worlds, not one building, worlds. You know what worlds is in the next world? 70 worlds you have access to if you, if you do the right thing. If you have, you have the ability to rebuke and you give the rebuke, unbelievable, unbelievable reward. Abbas Nurab Nassan also says, and also Menorah all brings it down also, that says that one who brings merit to many, God himself, God himself watches over him and his children and he merits that his children are righteous. Seva Hasidim also brings down that one who brings merit to many, then even if, let's say, his time, he was supposed to live till 90, he's, if he's, he's 90 years old now, but because he's helping so many people, God says, you know what? I'm going to keep this guy around a little bit more. I'm going to keep this lady around a little bit more because she's just helping so many people. I don't, I, this should already, so I could stop right now and you could be sold already go on your mission to review. Yes, questions? I just wanted to know, like, is there like a time when to review and you can't only review again? Yeah. We're going to speak about it. Yeah. It's not like just rebuke. Like, mm-hmm. Sometimes when you rebuke, you go to the person the other way. But I just want to ask you just like a quick thing. Like <clears throat> last year, there was a girl who was eating on kosher and she was fully in a kosher. She knew it was wrong. And so I encouraged her and I told I bought her kosher food and really, really helped her. And then she got very annoyed at me that I was brainwashing her. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want to talk to me ever again and like turned her off. You, you did good. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. If you did what you're supposed to do, and we're going to speak about how to rebuke. As long, it was in a very, like, not hard way. She just yes. was very upset. She never yes. talked to me ever again. Is that... Look. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> not excellent that she didn't speak to you again, but excellent the fact of what you did. You gave rebuke. But we're going to speak about it. I'm going to give you the idea of how to give rebuke. We're going to go through all that. Yeah. With that student, like, I'm like that. Like, I don't like when people come up to me like, oh, now you go to a PAT, you certain culture. Don't tell me what to do. I just, like, like, imagine... She came to our schools to speak, and I like when they do it in a twisty, turning way. They don't automatically say, okay. Which we're going to bring that also. I'm going to speak about that also. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now I understand. Like, not just Right, right. We're going to speak about all that. We're going to speak about all that, how to do it, exactly how to do it. We're, we'll go through all the, Bezat Hashem will go through all those details and exactly how to do it. You also had a question? Okay. Yeah, all the questions, Bezat Hashem will be answered. Yeah, so, so we'll, we'll, uh, all those questions with Zatashim will be answered. So, oh, we'll soon see. We'll soon see. Yeah. So, the Rabbi Yonasan Eibshit says like this. It says that, you know, some people think 
that you know who has to give rebuke? The rabbis have to give rebuke. What is a simple person like me going to start screaming at other people? Come on, I, it's not, I, you know, the rabbis should rebuke. Rabbi Yonah says, no, 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 just the opposite. Because if you're a simple person, that's the perfect person to give rebuke. Because what happens, let's say you have a friend. And <clears throat> so if a rabbi goes to a friend and says, listen, you have to start keeping kosher. So the friend says, you know what, it's easy for you. You're a rabbi, this is what you do, this is what you deal with. Okay, it's easy for you. But let's say you have a friend. And you go to your friend and be like, no, we're... We're just like, you know, we're the same. We went to the same school, went to the, we had the same friends. And he says, I'm doing it. Now, so could you do it? It goes, the rebuke goes a lot further. The rebuke goes a lot further when it's somebody that's like the same as you and telling you, oh, you know, like you could do it the same way. That's why it says in, in Pelkei Avot, it says, it says you should make yourself a rabbi and buy yourself a friend. Because friends are so important. I say this all the time. People ask very often questions, where should I send my kids to school? Uh, to which yeshiva? So, the, the, it's true, it's a very good question, but one of the most important things that, I, in my personal opinion, that factors out what the child is going to grow up to be, is who he hangs around with, what type of clique of friends do they have. You have somebody that's going to go and, you know, let's say, you know, what, they, they sit and they watch movies all day and play video games, guess what, that boy is going to go into, the, he's going to turn into a girl, whatever, a girl, whatever it is, he's going to turn into somebody that, that plays video games and, and, you know, watches movies all day. If you put a, if you have one kid and you put in a, a clique of kids that are just a bunch of potheads, guess what? He could have hated smoking, but within three months, he's a pothead also. And it, it, it depends, if you have the group of, ki- of kids that are always speaking about Torah and this, they're having a good time, but they, you know, they throw a little bit over here, Torah, this, then you know what? This kid is going to end up becoming like that kid. So your friends are so important. It depends who you are is or who you hang around with. So, and that's why it says also, what, what is a chavel tov? What is a good friend? A good friend, and it says also, Vadim Batanua brings it down. Kavayasha on the fifth chapter also brings it down. It says a good friend is a friend that gives rebuke. A friend that actually gives a rebuke. That's a, you know how you know somebody loves you? If he's able to go or she's able to go to you and say, you know what, you're doing something wrong. I remember, I know I had somebody, um, I had a close friend of mine, that one time we were driving back from, we were driving back from uh, Lakewood. And uh, is that going to come with a tip or something like that? <laughs> There's a professional over here. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sleep for the next week, no. <clears throat> so... There is a, um, actually, if I can't bother you for, for tea, the next time you go, not, not now, the next time you go, oh, I forgot, <laughs> right. I shouldn't have said that. I feel like it's no, going to be easier I to speak than with having the, no, all the, the, thank you, <laughs> that be, she's right, the question is, should I have said that, because now she's not, okay, whatever, so, um, <laughs> anyways, so, um, we were driving back from Lakewood, me and I had a very close friend of mine, I, I don't remember why we were there, and I don't remember the context of the conversation, but all I remember, and Lakewood, so you're talking about, like, you think about it from, like, a deal, so you're talking about an hour and a half to two hour drive, mm-hmm. the entire drive, he was giving me Musa, awesome. and, um, now, you could say, also, back then, I wanted to op- open the car and kick him out, <laughs> and, or, or not, you know, I didn't even say stop driving, just open the car and kick him out, that's how I felt at that point in time. <laughs> But you know what? He kept on going. And I was like, I, I even said enough already. And he didn't stop. He kept on going and going and going and going. Like, was personal, well, like you have to do this? Yeah, yeah. Oh, very personal. Oh, my <laughs> so, and I, to be honest, I don't remember what it was about. I, I didn't remember what it was about. But anyways, at the, end of the, at the end of the drive, I went up to him and I said, thank you. He says, you know what? You're right. You know, at the end of the day, you were right. And he said, you know, that's how I know I had a good friend. I had a good friend that was willing to go. It's not, no one feels happy to be like, hey, you're doing something wrong. That's the most awkward, annoying conversation to have. I've had that with, with uh, people. It's so, uh, you know, it's, it's so annoying. It's so awkward. It, it's something that, uh, that nobody wants to deal with. But you have an obligation. And if you're a good friend, you will do that. Because if you, if you really care for that person, you will set them on the right path. The, um, the idea is, is I want to I discuss now two things. Um, now, first of all, the question is, how much does someone need to rebuke? I think somebody uh, asked over here, uh, you know, like, uh, let's say you rebuke him once or her once. Is that good enough? Are you good? 
Let's say you rebuke them, and you say, listen, uh, you're not allowed to eat not kosher food. And she continues eating the shrimp. And are you, do you have to continue rebuking her and say, say it again and again and again and again? Or one time is enough. Also, there's an interesting question, is how come we don't make a bracha? How come we don't make a bracha? You know, you make a bracha when you, when you eat matzah. You make a bracha when you shake a lulav. Why don't you make a bracha when you give rebuke? We said it's a mitzvah from the Torah that you have to give rebuke. We should make... You know, you're thinking that I'm now going to start annoying my friend. Thank you very much. I'm going to start annoying my friend with giving him rebuke. You know, you get all into it. Why don't we do that? Why is there no blessing for rebuke? Um, it's, a hard, it's a hard thing to do. It is a hard thing. Thank you, and may you be blessed more and more. Amen. Amen. Everyone as well. Amen. Okay. Oh, it's delicious. Okay. So, the, the, okay, so, so there's a Gemara in Eochim. 16b that asks a question like this. It says, to what extent does one have to give rebuke? And they give three answers, and I'll give you all three of them. The first answer, Rob says, he says, you know how much you have to give rebuke? You give rebuke, and you give rebuke, until the person who is sinning, and if you didn't listen and he's keep on sinning him, he's ready to hit you. When he's ready to hit you, then you know, okay, now you can stop. That's what answer number one. Answer number two, Sashmuel, he says, you have to give rebuke until the person who is sinning is ready to curse you out. Then, you, a little bit less, you know, <laughs> then you know you're okay. Oh answer number three, Rabbi Yochanan says that you have to give rebuke until the transgressor, that the person who's sinning gets angry. That's when you know you have to stop. So, that's what the Gemara says. Now, what's the actual halakha? What is the actual halakha? You look in the Ramah, and the Be'o halakha brings it down. It says, it says, no, it goes a little bit lenient. It doesn't actually mean that the guy has to about to hit you, but when he's coming close to hit you, that's when you know you have to stop. <laughs> that, that was the lenient one. The Mishnah Burah says, no, it says he goes even a little bit more lenient. It says, no, until the person's ready to curse you out. So, which means is, this is not something like a fanatic. This is actual the halakha. That you have an obligation, which means is, you know, it says, it says, it says, it says it twice. Why twice? Rebuke, you shall rebuke. Because you know what? If he doesn't listen the first time, you rebuke again. And again, and again, and again. Now, that doesn't mean you sit in front of the person and be like, you keep Shabbat? And be like, no. All right. Keep Shabbat, keep Shabbat, keep Shabbat, keep Shabbat, keep Shabbat. Right? Because then they'll slap you very fast. And that's not productive at all. But you do have to, you do actually have to give rebuke. And if it doesn't work, you have to keep on giving rebuke. Yeah, it, it has to, and eventually, Either they're going to be fed up and they're going to say, you know, get upset, and then you know you're, you're, you know, you're okay. Or they're going to say, you know what, I guess you're right. But it has to be done the right way, and this is the important part. So um, now the question is, is how do we rebuke? Uh, I'm sorry, why do we rebuke? First, before we do that, I have to go, why to rebuke? So you may think, you know why I need to rebuke somebody else? I have a mitzvah from God. You have a mitzvah from God. If I'm doing it and you're not doing it, then I have to be God's policeman, and I have to make sure that you're doing it. That's what you might think that it is. Says the Rambam in Ilchot El, chapter 6. He says that, how does someone rebuke him? First, when you go to rebuke somebody, you rebuke them privately. You go very privately, very gently and calmly and in a very, very loving manner. And you're saying, I'm doing this only for your benefit and I really love you and I care about you and that's why I'm saying these things. And by the way, he says also, the Rambam also brings that. He says, and if you have the, if you have the ability to rebuke and you didn't, you get part of that sin as well. But he says, the idea of rebuke is like tzedakah. It's like, uh, it's like chesed. Um, the idea is, is that, is, you know, when, when, uh, you know, you, just like you have to go and you visit the sick and you give charity, so too, you same idea, you have the obligation of, of rebuke. He says, you know why we don't embarrass somebody in public to rebuke them? Because if you're embarrassing him in public, then that's not chesed anymore. That's not chesed. Chesed is something that you have to do for his benefit. And this is also a reason why we don't make a bacha. We're going to answer this question. You know why you don't make a bacha before you give me a rebuke? What, for what mitzvot do you make bacha? You make mitzvot for bacha between you and God. Between you and God, you make a bachot. Between you and man, you don't make another. You don't give make a bachot when you give charity. You don't make a bachot. You between you and God, you make a bachot. Between you and man, you don't have to. This mitzvah over here is not between you and uh, between. Uh, um, I'm sorry, it's not between you and God. 
Which means if it was between you and God, the, the, the obligation of rebuke, then you would have to make a bracha, and you would have to, you know, there's an idea also behind it. It's, um, it's called ased dochel which means is if let's say you have a positive commandment and you have a negative commandment, the positive com- and they both are the same thing. The positive commandment override the negative commandment, and you do the, the positive commandment. So over here, it is an example in this case. Is let's say you have an obligation to rebuke somebody, but he's going to get embarrassed in public. So that so the rebuking somebody is a positive commandment. The embarrassing in public is a negative commandment. The positive commandment overrides the negative commandment, and you would actually have to go and rebuke him. But that's not the case. Why? Because I, the, this obligation is not between me and God. It's between me and my friend. It says, I'm doing it out of chesed. I'm doing it out of love. I'm not God's policeman. That's not why I'm rebuking it. You know why I'm rebuking this person? Because I love you and I care about you and it's chesed. And that's why I'm doing it. That's why you don't make a bracha on it. The, Baham, the, the Rambam says this. Why? Yeah, you know, he explains that if the person's ready to curse you or hit you, that you're not, it's not chesed anymore. It's, that's it. It's over already because it's, it's turning into something more aggressive and you're not doing the right way and it's not, it's not working. So you stop. Cease and desist. So uh, the, this also answers a question that, that people ask, because there's this two Gemara, there's a Gemara in Yuma, page 9b, that says the second Beit HaMikdash was destroyed because of Sinat Chinam, baseless hatred. Then there's also a Gemara in Shabbat, page 119b, that says the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed because one person didn't rebuke the other person. So the question is, which one is it? And the answer is, it's both one of the same. Because the rebuke, what's baseless hatred? If you hate somebody for no reason, how could you give that person rebuke? That means you don't love that person. Rebuke comes out of love. So it's, it's one of the same. They didn't rebuke other people because they had the baseless hatred. That's why, the, it's the same thing, that's why the Beth HaMikdash was, was actually destroyed. The, um, and this is why, this is why it's so important, the way that you give rebuke, you have to do it in a nice way. It has to be the most nice and gentle way possible. And in fact, that's why it says in, in, um, in Bereshit, in Genesis chapter 29, verse 4, it says, was going and he was giving rebuke to a bunch of shepherds that were hanging around, they came around early. How did he give rebuke? He says, ah, hi, my brothers, what's going on? Right? You know how like some, I get, I get this all the time, they're like, you know, hey, hey, my brother, what's going on? Or if you're, you're in, in Hebrew, it's, hey, achi, manishmasa, baba, you know, you know, achi, 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 everything is achi, my brother, my brother, right? If you're in a certain neighborhood, it's, hey, bro, you know, it depends what it is, but it's all the same idea. You get that close connection. When Yaakov was saying, he's saying, hey, what's going on, guys, my brothers, where are you guys from? And he's basically doing it, you know, like, you know, basically giving him that, that first hug. And then when, he's, when, he's, when they get there, they're like, oh, that's so nice, you know, this guy's like us. And then he gives them the rebuke in a very gentle way. So like, oh, what are you guys doing here? It's pretty early, like, why are you still over here? That's how you give the rebuke. And the Chotzah the Kim says also, says you give the rebuke first very calmly and nicely and gently. And it comes out of, at, at, that it should know that it's coming out of love and not out of, like, annoyance or something like that. The, um, the idea is also, um, you know, how to give rebuke. But before we do this, I want to, many, many years ago, had a very interesting uh, situation that happened to me. I was walking the street on Shabbat, Shabbat day, and I met a guy that I knew for quite some time, and he was religious, and then he became not religious. So, I started speaking to him, you know, about Shabbat, about all these things, and, you know, become more religious, and whatever he's speaking, he was basically not, not really that interested. So I said, you know what, I invited him up to my house, we had a few l'chaim, and, um, and we're talking again, and whatever, we're, we're getting somewhere, he says, okay, maybe we'll learn, maybe, okay, whatever. And then he says, listen, you know, he has to run, I says, no problem, I'll walk you out. I walk him out, and I walk, I walk him actually like two blocks. And I see, as we turn the corner from my block, from, from where I live, I see his hand slowly get up to his yarmulke, you know, he's got one of those paper ones, and, uh, you know, he slowly, you know, puts it in, takes it off and puts it in his pocket. Okay, I don't say anything, I keep on walking. I keep on walking, suddenly I hear a sound like this. He's packing his cigarettes on Shabbat. And um, he's sitting in front of me. Uh, we stop for a second, and he takes out a cigarette, and uh, and and he's he's about to light it. And he, you know, he, he had a few shots in my house, 
So I'm like, you know, I'm like, well, this guy's got to be kidding me. I'm like, all right, you want to do this? Let's two can play that game. <laughs> he starts putting it up in his mouth. So I take my hand and oh, I no. put it down. <laughs> but I do it in a way. He was, it was a little drunk. So I do it in a way and then I, and I, you know, I do it and then I ask him another question quickly so he doesn't realize what happened. <laughs> and uh, he goes and, you know, I threw him off and, and, and then he remembers he still has a cigarette in his hand. He's like, oh, what? You know, and he puts it up again. The same thing. Put it, I take his hand down. This happened probably five or six times. Finally, after the sixth time, he didn't say anything. Didn't say anything. He didn't get anything at all. After the sixth time, he's like, he's like, bro, he's like, dude, he's like, I need to smoke. What are you doing? So, so I, so then I told him, and I looked him in his face, and I said, and, and I, and I said the most nicest way. I said, I said, please, I, I'm begging you. So it hurts me so much when you break Shabbat. It hurts me so. It's gonna hurt me so much to see you smoke on Shabbat. I'm begging you, please, just for me, don't do it in front of me. And he says, no problem. He puts the thing in a cigarette and the thing, and then and then smoke for the remainder of the time. You see over here, there was the, if I, once I went in a nice way, and I went to very calm, knowing that I cared about him, because if you, if it comes out of love, then it goes into, a, it goes into love. And a person, if you know how to, you say it in a nice way, and a respectful way, I guarantee you that when you're going to somebody and you really mean something, it's gonna go a lot more and be like, uh, you know, Shabbat, you gotta keep Shabbat. No, no, shrimp, not kosher. Come on, you wanna go to hell? Ah, hell's hot. It's very hot. You know, you know, it's not gonna be like, all right, thank you very much. You know, Robinson, you know, please, why don't you, you know, go bake some challah? You know, that, but but rather, if you say say, you know, like I care about you so much, it really hurts me when you're doing this. Please, you know, why don't you try? Let's do it together. So that's the idea, the way that it's supposed to be done. It's supposed to come do it done out of out of out of uh, out of kindness and of out of out of the the good of your heart, out of the love that you have for the other person. This is also like, um, you know, give you some tips on how to give rebuke. By the way, this you could use as the same idea to give criticism. Not that you should dish out criticism. I'm talking about, let's say, whatever. The same, the, the same uh, you know, tips work as well. Number one, the most important thing is you don't rebuke the person. You rebuke the action. Because what happens is, is that if you go and you say, Oh, come on. You're such a fool. What do you keep on doing the same stupid things? Come on, man. It, when you're doing that, is you're basically just putting that person down. And what happens when you put that person down? There's a, there's a defense that shoots right up. And be like, ah, blank, deflect everything that you say. But if you go and you, you say, like, listen, you're such a great guy. You're such a, you know, why are you doing this? You know, that you, maybe you could do this a little better. If you rebuke the action as opposed to the person, you'll go a thousand times further than, any, uh, than, than rebuking the actual person. The next is, very important, do not give it when you're angry. So... This also, this depends, because sometimes, if let's say a person is about to sin, then you have to stop it, then, you know, you have to stop it right then and there. But let's say it's somebody that sinned yesterday, and you heard about it, and you want to go talk to the person. But you just had a bad day at the office, or whatever, you know, the kids are driving you crazy, and you get out and be like, all right, this person's going to get it, you know, like, all right, you know, you crack all the bones in your body, and be like, yeah, what's sinner, you know, don't, if you're, if you're in a bad mood, if you're in angry, do not rebuke at that point in time. Also, when you, when you uh, critique, when you give rebuke, Give something that they could actually change. They don't give something that, you know, that they're not going to change. It'd be like, you know, whatever it is, you know, it has to be something that's very particular. Very, it doesn't have to be simple. It could be even if it's a complex, it doesn't matter. But it has to be something that could be, that's changeable. Not something that they'll be like, you know, like, oh, man, your in-laws, oh, whatever, you know. You know, what, 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 what is that? doesn't do anything. Oh, is she going to change in-laws now? You know, we're going to in-laws or, you know, swipe, swipe to get the new in-laws. So do something that is actually being able to be changed and be specific about it. As specific as you can be. The, um, and also, this is also important. If let's say you're, you're the receiving end of the rebuke. This is very important. What people do is, when people get rebuked, they, it's a shield that blocks up. And they're like, I, you know what? And everything they say, they just deflect and bounce back. They're, the problem is, most people do not know how to give rebuke. And they rebuke, give rebuke in a very, very bad way. What you have to know 
excuse me, is to give rebuke, is, when you are accepting rebuke, I'm sorry, is to take away all that fluff around it, all that anger around it, and get at the message. What are they saying? They could be screaming about like 10 minutes, but they're focusing on one thing. Just take away, get rid of all the other thing. Don't take it personally. And, and you know, and take what it is. Think of it as free therapy. You know, people go to therapists and they'll pay, you know, hundreds of dollars. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. What is it called? A uh, uh, life coach. You know, let me have a better Here you got free. This guy's dishing after you for free. Think of it as free therapy. They're telling you what you can work on. I do that. That's why I also want to give, bring this point up that uh, if anybody has any critique on any of my classes, I, w- I welcome critique all the time. <laughs> I do. And I, people give me, and I, and I thank them. I had one guy. They gave me. They gave me an actual. Uh, you know, he, he called. You know, I, I. You know, I called him up, and he's like, you know, something. And he felt like, you know, he was like apologizing ten thousand times. And I'm like, uh, I don't know why you're apologizing. It's like you got just say it. I, I need this stuff. So, so he's like, oh, okay, you know. And and he started telling me something, and I was like, this is awesome. Thank you so much. I'm like, don't be embarrassed. This is why I need to hear because I need to know. To every, you can always improve. You can always become better. And some. Except for one thing, and I gotta, you know, everyone tells me this, and I, I'm sorry, it's just not gonna happen. Speak slower, you know. I get that all the time. Speak slower. I try. This is slow board. This is a slower. Just you know, I used to speak. There's one guy. I have, an, I have a guy that comes into one of my classes. An older guy, Russian speaking guy. He says he comes up to me. He's like, please. He's like, speak so slower. He says I only understand one word of every five words that you're saying. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. I try. I, I, this is slower. <laughs> you know. I'm gonna, you know. So that that besides that, anything else, I welcome. So please. <laughs> because otherwise, how are you gonna learn? Everyone's like, oh, everyone says everything's great. Everything's great. You're not you're never gonna change. So the um the, this idea also is the um you know general uh, Dwight. Eisenhower, when he made a plan, and he would go to his critics and say, tell me what you think about the plan. And of course, his critics are going to just tear the entire thing apart. So that his, his advisors go to him and says, why do you go to give it, bring it to us? Why do you bring it to your critics? They tear everything apart. And he says, exactly what I need. He says, I'm doing a plan. I'm, I'm bringing people into, the, into war. I need to know all the mistakes that they see in it. I don't need you guys. You're a bunch of yes men. They're going to tell me everything's yes, everything's great, everything's great. I need to know what's the problem so I can fix it. And that's the idea in life. If we have a problem, we have to know how to fix it. And we have to constantly work and grow. If someone's giving you a critique, think of it. First of all, realize that it's coming from God. That guy's just a messenger. He might be a bad messenger, very likely, and doesn't know how to deliver the message probably. But at the same time, figure out what's the underlying message and being able to, uh, to uh, accept it. Now this, you know, was when... Uh, when I was like starting to speak uh, years ago, I was trying to think about what would be my method, if you, if I may. So um, I was thinking, you know, so uh, what, you know, there's a strict method. We tell everybody at the end of face exactly what it is. Forget about all the fluff and just tell you, you know, you're doing wrong, you're doing right, you're doing whatever it is, straight out. And then there is, you know, the nice way, the coochie coochie coo way, where everything's great, God's gonna love you, you know, keep Shabbat if you can, you know, please, you know, I'm begging you. So um, I was thinking about it, and then I, so I, I was bouncing back and forth, and then one time. I went over to a guy, uh, we had a long conversation, the guy wasn't keeping Shabbat, and I spoke to him for a long time, but I went all out, all cards on the table, like one after another, literally, like if you don't keep Shabbat, it's worse than a murderer, it's this is bad, it's a source of all blessing, like bam, 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 one after another, that, you know, afterwards, I was like, all right, you know, let's see what happens, he said, thank you, and he left, he comes back over to me a few months later, he kept on coming to some of the classes, and he comes over a few months later, he comes to me after the class, and he says, you know, Rabbi, I just want to let you know that I've been keeping Shabbat for the past uh, few months, and I want to say thank you, it's all to you. So I'm like, by the way, I also welcome that type, that's also, you know, also <laughs> so, um, but I say, that's awesome, but, but tell me, I'm asking you, what made you change? What, what is it that I said that I know that it, that it helped by you, maybe it can help other people? So he said, to be honest, it says is that when you told me like it is. He says, you told, me, you told me things that no one else told me before. And he says, when you said it that way, I realized that I didn't really have a choice. And I said, you know what? I got to do it. 
And I go over to him, I'm like, thank you. I started screaming at him, thank you, that's awesome, that's what I've been telling everybody all along, and you're a proof of that. Okay, I'm sorry, you know, all right, thank you, you're welcome, I don't know, but, you know. So, so, but this is the idea, is that when you tell the people, they actually change. If you coochie-coochie-coo them, they're not going to really change that much. They're going to be like, oh, okay, fine, thank you very much, I'll think about it. I, I speak at some, both of them I get to speak at, at different uh, venues, different places. So one place that I was speaking at, um, I was speaking to the rabbi beforehand, you know, about the methods and things like that, and he was like, no, our method over here is very nice and very calm, you know, basically the opposite of how I deal. So um, he, so I said, okay, very nice. Obviously, I didn't listen. I did I, whatever. I did my own way. But uh, when I was giving classes over there, I was so surprised how when I said things, people were so shocked. I can't even say it over here in front of the camera what they were, what I was saying, and what they were shocked by, but by what I said that they didn't know that it was asu. I'm like, you've been coming to classes for how long, and you don't know this? Well, I can't say it on the camera. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, um, the, but the idea is when you tell to somebody some, and straight out it is, it, it goes a long way. I'll tell you something very interesting that happened very recently to me. I, um, so I get, I, I was telling you earlier, I get, um, you know, Hashem, I get a lot of emails that try, people try to convert me to Christianity. So, um, the, you know, from all these missionaries. So, I actually, no, like I have time for it. But, um, it's it's um, it's actually messages from from Facebook is, is where where I get them, um, and again I'm very against Facebook. I hate Facebook. Nobody should go on Facebook, um, but I have Facebook. So, uh, but I only have it only for the for the reason because it could, you know people tell me it reaches a lot tons of other people and it really does. So, <clears throat> but at the same token, don't go on it. Um, the, there are many broken marriages just from that. The um, but the idea is is that so so I had somebody recently that. Uh, it's actually quite a actually right when I opened right when I started it. It was um, so the guy was you know trying to convert me, showing me all the verses, and this is something that I said you know I, I don't I really don't understand. As I was mentioning it to you earlier, and I think I mentioned also to, uh, in in one of my previous classes, don't try to convert somebody who knows what they're talking about because that's that's stupid. That you convert somebody to about somebody who doesn't know anything about Judaism, then it'll be like okay Christianity is right, then maybe they'll get it. you go to somebody who knows what he's talking about. Not that I want to give tips to all these Christian missionaries, but but the idea is it's foolish. They go they go go for the route. You know, I, I know what I'm talking about. Why are you gonna? And this is I had a conversation about this guy. There was, there was one guy who um, I was telling you who posted up the, the Xmas chair on uh, is a Christianity of Odazara. So we posted it up. One guy kept on trying to to like show everybody that the Torah from the Torah is proving Christianity, and he's bringing verses from the Torah, and he's doing that. And five, so I put I listed like like seven things, like like you know you're wrong because blah 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 blah. One two three four five. One of the things was I said listen. I said, um, you know, the Torah has been in my generation, in my family, for 3,300 years. You came into the picture of the Christianity, what, like 1,900 years ago, 2,000 years ago? Says, and I asked him, do you know how to read Hebrew? Because he's quoting me verses in Hebrew. So he says, uh, um, you know, not really, I'm still learning, everything like that. I'm like, okay, do me a favor, I read Hebrew, I speak Hebrew, I, you know, I deal with that. I'm like, don't come into my house and tell me where my kitchen is. I know where my kitchen is. He said, don't come to my Torah and tell me what the Torah means. So, oh, Alma means a virgin and this and that. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Everything you said is wrong because you don't know how to interpret things. They misinterpret everything. He said, don't come into my house and tell me, you know, tell me what it's wrong. So anyway, so I had this, so this one guy was, was, was trying to confirm me. He was like, he's like, oh, so it's in here. So usually in the beginning, I was very nice. I'm like, no, it doesn't. You know, I was like, you know, I, and I, I hope they would just stop that. And finally, he kept on asking me questions. I'm like, you know what? Fine. You know, it pushed me to the corner. Usually I just ignore it, but for some reason I was in the mood. And I, um, I just went at it. I said, you want the truth? And I said, and I went, I went like strong. I'm like, 
Yeah, the messages. And I was like, uh, I actually even have the transcription over here. So I have part of it. I actually wrote it. I have, so I told him straight out, I'm so that Christianity is a Buddhism, huh? And if you do it, you're an idol worship. And I'm just going to tell you idol worship is not a good thing to be. And, uh, and one after another, proving how everything's wrong. And then I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? I probably shouldn't send it. Then I was like, quickly send it before I change my mind. And it went. <laughs> so it sends. And I'm like, you know what? This guy's not going to bother me anymore. And I'm like, you know, there's no way that he's going to come back. No. Okay. Messianic. He was considered Messianic Jewish, which means not Jewish. Mm-hmm. So they, um... So how did he know you were... <laughs> they learn it. No, 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 no. From, like, Africa or something. So, um... So he goes... He goes... I have a lot of those. So... But some of them are, are righteous. Some of them are righteous uh, Noahide. I have one guy in Africa that always asks me questions. He wants to convert from Ghana. Ghana? I don't know where it is. I don't know how to pronounce it. Wow. But, uh, yeah. He's, he's uh, in Mamash. He's, like... He's trying to convince his, his friends that, the, you know, Christianity is false. And, like, they tell him... And he's like, my friends told me this. What should I answer back to them? You know? So... so, so he's, a, he's a young kid. It's very nice. Very, very good. You know? He's, uh, I, have, I have a few of them. Not only one. There's a few of them from, Ghana, from, that, from that place. There's not just one. I have maybe three or four. How they find you? Facebook, online. I don't know. <laughs> I don't go looking for them. I'll tell you that much. But they come viral and they find me. So, um, anyways, so I'm messaging this guy and I send him this really harsh, you know, like straight up to the point. You know, it's idol worship or you know whatever it is. You know, everything straight up. And I'm like, all right, now he's not going to bother me. Two days later, I don't check my message every day. I check it like you know a few times a week. So I, two days later, you know, I open it up and there's a message from him. I'm like, oh, all right. So these guys are coming for more. So I open up the message. I'm going to read it for you. I'm going to read it. I'm going to just, I'm going to quote it. I'm going to quote it. Where is this? Here we go. And it reads like this. It says, it says, I see that you're right. And I see that I am in a false way. What should I do? I just fell off my chair. I like, I called my wife. I'm like, can you read that? He literally, he said, he says, oh, wow. I see that you're right. What you said. And everything that he said, and I see that I'm, in, 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 I'm wrong what I'm doing. Yeah. And he says, so what should I do now? And I'm like, I've had this conversation not that long, not that many back and forths, and I'm able to convince him. I'm, I'm trying to convince Jews to keep Shabbat for who knows how long. And there we go, one guy, well, was amazing. And so it depends on the Neshama. Some people in the Neshama, they open up right away. Some people take some harder. But anyways, this guy, he was one, two, three. And everything, I said it the way it was, and he completely changed. I said, you know, keep the, you know, I actually told him, I said, you know, keep the seven laws of Noah. Um, which actually, I told many people, many people that believe in that, I tell them, you have to just keep the seven lists of Noach and a few, whatever, the common ones. And um, he said, okay. And then he messaged me back a few days later. It says, uh, what about Shabbat? They always ask about Shabbat. They always come back for Shabbat. And I'm like, you're not allowed to keep Shabbat. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to. Chayav mita. You're not allowed to keep Shabbat. So he messaged me back a few, a few days later. It says, and they all, the same thing. It's like, it's like the same answers, the same people, the same thing. It's all like, it's like exactly the same. They, they all say the same thing. He says, I can't. I need to keep Shabbat. <laughs> and I said, you're not allowed to keep Shabbat. You only keep Shabbat if you convert. You're not allowed to keep Shabbat. And, and, and I'm like, they're, they're like, I, I need to keep Shabbat. And I'm like, no, you know, yeah. So it's a very interesting thing. But what do you see from here? Why am I telling you these stories? These stories show that when you tell people straight up the way that it is in their face, they actually listen. It works. I know. I see it myself. I've tried the nice kuchi kuchi kuwe. Guess what? It doesn't work. I've spoken in places where, where they do the kuchi kuchi kuwe. Yeah. Kuchi kuchi ku means like the nice little, little cute way. You're like, oh, come on, you know, it's so nice, you know. Yeah. So, so granted, but when I'm giving rebuke, I give it in a very respectful manner. You don't put it in their face like that. You do it in a very respectful manner that it has to come out, like we said, out of love. And it goes, it goes very, very far. 
So that's why the the Kavah Yashar in chapter 62 says that it says, you know, Hochach, Tochiach, it says Hochach, rebuke, in a very, like, broad sense. And then Tochiach is more, now you shall rebuke. So he says the way that you rebuke it first is you do it first impersonal, like completely impersonal, like, oh, by the way, guys, you know, Shabbat is over, like, not even mentioning that person. The person doesn't get the point, then you go already into the second person. Be like, you know, you know, and you, and you keep on getting closer and closer until you get to that. And this is why I've, I've told people, and this actually worked, and I've had this happen, you know, numerous times, where somebody comes, calls me up before a class, and he says, listen, I'm bringing a guy over. He has this problem. Can you please speak about that? I said, not a problem. And he brings it to, he, they go to the class. I speak about exactly the problem that he, that he does it. And he doesn't think, it's, it's, he just thinks, he just happened to come to the thing that he has an issue with. And, and you know what? It, not once, but numerous times that people come back to me and say, you know what? That actually worked. Because he doesn't think that I'm giving rebuke to him. So there's no defense against it. And it just, you know, it's just very open. It's just very open. And they're able to, they're able to accept it the same way. So there, there is also, now, now here's an interesting question: Is can you rebuke publicly? So most people right away when I say this, they'll say absolutely not. No embarrassment. Sefer Hachinuch, Mitzvah two thirty nine, also two forty. It says that first you have to rebuke gently and you have to compliment them and rebuke them privately. But let's say they don't, they don't stop, they keep on sinning and they keep on sinning and they keep on sinning. Under certain circumstances, you can rebuke them in public and embarrass them and show the sin out to everybody that they're doing they're doing something wrong. That, that, so that you have to ask a rabbi because we're not going to go through all the details in it because, and for, for some reason. But by the way, it's not only the Sefer the Rambam, the Sefer Iyad, the Shari Tshuvah, the Shulchan Aruch Harav, all bring down that there's certain times that you have to bring, you have to, you could actually rebuke a person publicly. You could actually do that. Now, I, I strongly recommend you don't decide this on your own intuition, but speak to a rabbi because if, uh, it's not, it's not so simple if you embarrass somebody in publicly. And in fact, if you embarrass somebody in publicly, it says first of all that that type of person doesn't leave hell. Doesn't leave us. Stays there for a really long time. And not only that, it's that considered like bloodshed. Because you know, when you are rebuking somebody, the, the blood, you know, first they turn like white. What it means is white, the blood literally leaves them and then it comes back and then it gets red. So it's literally like you're shedding blood. And, uh, there, there's, there's many, many bad things about people that rebuke, that embarrass people in public. So I don't recommend it. And I don't rec- recommend you doing it. But, Know that there is there is circumstances where one can do that, and if you think you know you tried, then it's always it's the last situation. You first try nicely, you first try this, you first try that, you first try that. If it doesn't work, then you go into the most more serious um, manner. But again, speak to your your local Orthodox rabbi to make sure what you're doing is right. Question, yeah. Um, imagine someone doing a bad thing and doing the same Oh, we're gonna speak about that in two minutes. Very good. Yes. So there, before we go that, I want to. There's a Gemara in Sanhedrin, page one hundred one b. That says that um, Yeravam, Yeravam was a wicked king. He used to make other people sin. But he became king. So the Gemara asked the questions, why did Yeravam, how did he merit to become king? So the answer is because he rebuked Shlomo Melech. He rebuked King Solomon. So they asked the question, so why was he punished? And the answer is because he rebuked him in public. So the obvious question is, like, wait a minute, I just told you that you are allowed to rebuke in public. So why did he get punished for rebuking in public? And Rashi answers over there, it says, you know why? It says, because he rebuked in public Levisha, to embarrass him. He wanted to embarrass him. That was his source. He says, oh, that, you're getting punished for that. You, when you're rebuking in public, it's not something that you want to embarrass him. It's because it's a last, it's a last resort and you can't reach anything else. And there's certain circumstances that, that, that deal with that. But just to rebuke someone in public is a very, very serious, um, very serious thing. And it's something that you have to actually also be very, very uh, careful about. And in fact, there is, um, the, the Kavah Yashab brings them down that, um, that says, and this is very important also, that uh, you know, I think people that uh, you know, give classes and, and speak in public, they need to, they need to read this Kavah Yashab in chapter uh, 101. He says that, uh, he says that you know, there, there are people 
that give rebuke in public, and they don't do it the right way. They embarrass people, and they don't know the seriousness of their punishment. They're rebuking it. Not only that, he also goes on, and he says that they're, in, in Kavanah Shal chapter 43, he says that they rebuke them, and they bring, Hebrew, they bring judgment upon the Jewish nation. They don't, if they don't do it the right way, it goes, it's very bad. I strongly recommend that we don't have the time to look into those sources, but chapter 40, uh, 43 and 101 in the Kavanah Shal, to look into, the, into those things. But uh, um, for those people that, that you know, give the shot and, and rebuke actually people in public, yeah. Can you, like, not rebuke, but just be like an example, like, meaning when people see you do a certain thing? We're going to speak about that also. Without you saying anything, they'll just say, like, you know, no. it's like, without doing it, like, you're just living a certain thing. So, like, I don't know if it considers, considers rebuke. Some people are not ready for things, like, let's say when you're a teacher, you, don't, you can't just play class, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you you're right, like, you're right. Levels of so, all those things I'll answer, and the, and the question I'll ask is, what if they're not going to listen? Do you have to give rebuke? Well, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to worsen their sin. Right, right. Oh, very good. We'll speak about that also. So, it's like, yeah, it's, there's someone I can't even rebuke him. I can't say anything because it's like... We'll speak about that. Mm-hmm. We'll speak about that particular thing. But before we get that, so I'll answer your question in a minute or so. But before we get, um, before we get to that, uh, I want to answer one point that you did bring up that was really good was, can you lead by example? And this is very, very important because what happens is, is there was a guy who was sitting next to a rabbi and he was doing a sin. And the, it was on a plane or a train or something like that. And the rabbi didn't say anything because he was too involved in his own issues. The guy goes off the plane and the train and says, the guy, rabbi didn't say anything. I mean, he kept on doing the sin. Finally, someone went over to him and says, hey, you know, you can't do that. You know, that's a sin. So what are you talking about? He did it right next to the biggest rabbi. He didn't say a word to me. I said, of course I could do it. So people take it by a certain manner that, oh, if the rabbi didn't say anything to you, so then it's okay. There's a certain, there's a certain store, actually, in, uh, I can't say where it is. It's a modern, modern Orthodox community. How is he obligated to say to a complete stranger? For all you know, the stranger is Tino Kshinishpat. No, so I don't know what the situation was. Well, right. Yeah, you're right. But people take it under, and now this, this, this story will prove it at the point a little bit more. There's a certain store in a, in a modern place where there's like maybe a few items that are kosher in the store. Everything else is not kosher. So you have people go into the store and they buy the kosher items. Well, what happens when you see somebody who goes with a kippah and he goes into this, uh, this store and he buys, let's say, well, you know, one cake is kosher or something like that. One particular thing is like a very odd, a very odd store. So um, people go in there and they assume that everything, look at the guy with the kippah went over there. You know, of course it's kosher. They go and they buy everything in the store. And there's a certain store that I know in a certain, in a certain place that people go and they buy things that are not kosher, but they think that it's kosher. That happens there. No, so you can depending on the certain circumstances. I went somewhere and they have kosher things. Everything's no legit kosher. Right. For store, everyone moves there, and they were selling a certain thing that wasn't under supervision. Now it's okay. Now it's okay. So right now, don't say, don't say. Yeah, yeah. They, I, they I went because my friend... You saw it, yeah. I saw it, and then I went, and someone else was soon... Right, exactly. Oh, it's all a domino effect. So I'm like, oh my God, and then my father went, Oh my God! Yeah, um, this is that. That's that's a problem because people. That is why people lead up by uh, example. It's very it's very scary. Okay. So just quickly, um, we're allowed to go into a non kosher grocery store. You are, you know, when it's things are obvious that if it's kosher or not kosher, you know, like let's say you go to Shoprite. Shoprite is a kosher or not kosher section. You're allowed to go shop over there. People have to be a fool to do it. But this particular store was very different because it was um, it was it was uh, there was not it was no packaging. 
It was everything was open and something very particular that was kosher. And that is very dangerous. Okay, but like a regular I'm not saying halakha, by the way. I'm not saying that's a, a... Like a market that has no kosher aisle, but they have stuff that's kosher. You go and you buy some produce, you buy some things. Are fine. I don't think that's not a problem because, that, that, again, that usually has it marks on them that it's kosher. Yeah. There are certain things that this one was not. It was a very specific case, so I don't want to... This is not a halakha for all the cases, but uh, this particular case, it was that issue. Okay, now there's, there are people that say like this. There are people that say we have to hurry up because it's uh, running late. So... No, no apologize. Ask all the questions, please. The, um, the, the people say that we don't know how to give rebuke nowadays. So if we don't know how to give rebuke nowadays, we don't have to do it. Do they have a right in what they're saying? So there's Agma and Eochim, page 16b, that of Beleza ben Azaya said, I would be amazed, I'm unquoted, I would be amazed if there's anyone in this generation that knows how to rebuke properly. That's what he's saying in those days. So they're thinking, you know what, if he says that, that big rabbi, how could I rebuke somebody? How could I do that? So... But what happens is, is that people usually don't look into things. People just hear it, uh, take it, uh, you know, take it as face value. But if you look into it, Rashi, the Kavayasha, also actually explains it this way, uh, it seems to explain it this way, that what's he refer- referring to? He's referring to rebuking in public. Who knows if we have someone to rebuke in public and not embarrass somebody in public nowadays. But if the, the obvious question is, it says, the, the, you know, the Gemara was written over there. The Ramban, the Rambam, the Shara Tshuva, the Sefer Achinu, all the Mefashim, all the Halachasas that you do have to re- give rebuke. So if you do have to give rebuke, the halacha still stands. It's not, not something that existed only in times of the, uh, of the Tanaim or Amoraim. So you do have to give, uh, um, you do have to give a, uh, what's it called, rebuke nowadays. Now, um, the, the question is, before we get into the question that, that everyone asks, the question is we have to ask is, who do you have to give rebuke to? Do you have to just go run into everybody? So we said, it says, What's Amitacha? What's your friend? So you know, we have, um, you have a few things. You, had a, you have Achicha. Achicha is your brother. Reacha is your friend. What's Amitacha? So the, 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 to understand Amitacha, Amitacha is, is really someone like you. Someone similar like you. So, that now, so now, in order to answer that, we'll go to the Biyo Halacha, which says that, let's say there's some guy who sins rebelliously, which means is, he has a kosher steak and a non-kosher steak. And he says, you know what? He says, I'm going to go and eat the non-kosher steak just to stick it. That type of person who sins rebelliously, to rebel against God, you don't have an obligation to rebuke. But he even explains, Avukhan Wasman goes and explains, and he says, you know what? He says, even those type of people, if you could give rebuke, you should give rebuke, if you can. So he says like this. He says that the idea from there is, is that also, I've heard this interpretation, I haven't seen it inside, where if it's somebody like, let's say you know somebody, you know, then you have to, you know, if you see a stranger you never met before and, and you know, and start giving rebuke, they'll probably think that you're crazy and you're probably not going to listen to you anyway. So I've heard, again, I haven't seen it inside, that there's an interpretation of, of that. But in general, if there's something that you have the ability to say something, you could say it, by all means do it. And nowadays, it's very easy. Let's say you feel like you're the type of person that you can't say it. You cannot go and start giving rebuke. Very simple. You take your phone. You go to TorahAnytime.com. You find a lecture, whatever they need to do. There's, there's like 30,000, 40,000 lectures they have over there. They have something on every topic. You find the lecture, you send it to them. You send them a shiwa to while, you take a CD, you take a disc from certain rabbis that go, and you give it to them, say, listen, you know, listen to this, it's really good. That's already, you're doing something. That's already, you're doing, you're already giving rebuke, you're already, you're already showing them. If you're not the one, you're not the one who's able to say it, you at least, you know, present them the opportunity to hear it. So, um, the, but the idea is if somebody rejects the Torah, he rejects it and he sins rebelliously, you don't have to go and chase after that type of person. Now, this is, the mo- this is probably one of the most important part. What happens if you're, uh, you uh, know that they're not going to listen? You're going to give them, you said these people, they're not going to listen to me. So, the, there, is a, there is an idea that it's better if, let's say someone's going to sin. And it's better for him to sin by mistake, which it's called the shogeg, not on purpose, than to sin on purpose, because it's, it's, you know, it's a much serious thing if he sins on purpose. So better not to tell him 
Because then if you tell him he's going to sin on purpose, it's going to turn the shogek to a mezitz. He's going to turn into something that he did by mistake to on purpose. So people use that, that excuse a lot and they say, listen, they're probably not going to listen anyways. So you know what? I'm not even going to say anything. But the idea is over here, it says if you know that they're not going to listen, which means is 100%. Which means if it's 99%, you have an obligation still. Because how do you know maybe it's not going to work? There's many times that I told people, I was actually really surprised that I used to scream about certain topics, about certain things. And the people that I thought would never listen are the ones that listen. So you, you'd be really surprised who actually listens and who actually, where, where it actually goes to. Do we have an obligation to rebuke our parents for certain things? You have to be careful on that. You have to be careful of that. Whole other topic. Whole other topic. Better to give them a, yeah, better to give them a, um, I, you know, I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you a good example. What I told somebody is, is I know somebody who their parents are, um, you know, they sort of believe also in JC. I don't know what you call it. They sort of believe in everything. Um, you know, like all religions welcome type of thing. So they were asking me, can I go and tell them, you know, not to, not to, uh, you know, it's not allowed. <coughs> Excuse me. So I told them, uh, what the easiest way for you to do is call it a movie night. You get a DVD. There's Rabbi Mizrahi has the debate or something like that. <laughs> I say, take them, take them in, or a Torah and Science, there's also very good videos. You take them in on that, and call it a movie night, as a family, watch it together. You know, this way the rabbi is rebuking them without even them realizing it, and then he'll just show them what it is. So it's a sort of an easy roundabout way of like, you know, you're going on a long family road trip with it, with it. it says, oh, I, I listened to this class, it's really good, please, uh, you know, let's listen to it. So it's an easy way to actually give rebuke. But you have to be very careful then, it's, it's a case-by-case situation, how you do it, make sure it's kibbutz of aim, but... The, the, you have to be careful. You have to do it the right way. So let's say like right. So, let's say like you know, they may a not small understand. thing, like a a, um, a halacha, a shabbat halacha. Let's say right. Um, something it's, to do with how to heat up food. So like let's say I'll tell my mom, and she might oh. she might she might take it fine, or she might get annoyed. You like right. Like so. Don't like. I guarantee you. First of all, how, how to do everything. So so number one is it changes a lot the way you say it. If you say, if you say like this, mom, you know, that's Asul, and we're, we're trying to keep Shabbat over here, she'll be like, you know, thank you very much, little princess, you know, go to your room, play with your dolls. But if you go to her, and, and it's a little bit hard to say this because you put yourself in a vulnerable situation, and you go and says, listen, you know, mom, you know, like, Shabbat is so important, I really mean it so seriously, it would mean the world to me. It would mean so much to me if, if I, I'm just asking you, please, as a favor to me, if you could just please, at least when I'm around, you know, just, just do it. I, I'm really begging you. When you present it that way, Different ball game. When a child goes to a parent and asks as a beg, what's the parent not going to do for the child? Parents can do anything for the child. And if a child really asks the nice way and a really bang way, it changes the world. The problem is that most people, the way they say it is, ah, I just learned the Robinson, you know, I'll do it. Oh, come on, you know, I want to see you in heaven also. You know, what, you know like things like that, it's not going to help. You know, it's, it's going to put them down. But if you come from a very vulnerable place, the parent's going to, they're going to break down. They're going to do whatever you want. And if you say it once... What a pony. I'm and, just kidding. No. no, it's okay. If you say it once and uh, they don't change, are you required to keep saying it? The obligation still, I'll, I'll, you know, alive. Like, but is it again... Is the same with everyone else? Like, it's different. It's different because there's Kibbutz aim involved and it has to be done a very, very right way. In case by case, you have to speak to the rabbi and what you should do in what the certain, certain situations. Okay. okay, but now um, there was something that I wanted to. Oh, the idea is like this. The idea, as I always said, is let's say that uh, you know uh, you know that person's not going to you know the person's not going to listen. So if the person's not going to listen, um, the halakha is is that you could tell them something. Let's say first of all, we never know one hundred percent. But the idea of you know making someone shogeg or mezid, when does that apply? That applies if there's something explicit in the Torah. 
something that it's very openly states that it's asul and everybody knows that it's asul, like Shabbat. They, you, could, you, you don't have to be worried that you're changing somebody from doing something by accident to by mistake because everybody knows about it so you could say it again. But let's say it's something like bolel or how to make tea on Shabbat or something that people don't really know and you know they're not going to listen so that case it's better not to say it because they, that they're, they actually really don't know about it and they're not going to listen anyways. But that again is only when you know they're not going to listen. If it's a possibility that you have, that they're going to listen. You still have the obligation to say it. And again, you uh, it puts yourself in a vulnerable place when you go there and you open up to them in a certain way. Whew, you're, you're going to see wonders. Things things uh, change a lot. There, yeah. You can't exaggerate it. You can't exaggerate anything, but you could say it if it, if there's alakha. Say, it like, it say it like it is. You can. Like, yeah. I don't know about that. People used to get so scared and start doing it. Oh, you mean like that? Oh, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I think mean, the big rabbi, like everyone knows it. Right. I'm sure there's more to that story also, though. <laughs> so, but but you have to be careful. If there's a big rabbi, then he probably knows what he's doing. Yeah. So I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't question it. But 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 you have to yeah you have to tread carefully over there. There's a gemara. This, the, by the way, this this thing that you know better. The, the, it's a saying in the Gemara Yivamot that says in uh, sixty five Yivamot sixty five B that says it's better. Uh, uh, it, just the, let me quote a few. Just as people are commanded to say something that they will listen to, so too you're commanded not to say something that they're not going to listen to. So you better not say it. But when does this apply? This applies only. And again, the, the Rambam it all it brings down only when you know for sure that it's, they're not going to listen to it. If you still, you don't, you're probably, you still have a, you still have an obligation. This is why, by the destruction of the temple, the tzaddikim, the righteous people, they're the first ones to be punished because they had the ability to say something and they didn't say anything. So the, the, it, it's a very, very serious, um, it's a very, very serious uh, uh, idea behind it that needs to be uh, brought out into the public. The, uh, there's another interesting question. Is, do you, what about if it's your boss? Do you have to be like, in the, if it's financially going to hurt you, do you have an obligation to rebuke somebody? So the Ramah brings down, it says that a person does not, if it's, if it's uh, you don't have to rebuke somebody if it's going to hurt you financially or physically. So you have to, you know, if it's something like that, you don't have to. I remember reading a Gemara somewhere, and I don't remember where it was, maybe Sotah or something like that, that, um, that if you do it, though, you're not going to get, you're not going to get, you're not going to lose out. But the same idea, the actual Allah is you don't have to. What if you just feel uncomfortable? Like I don't, want, I just don't want to. I don't feel it's my place. I don't feel. First of all, Judaism doesn't. Um, it doesn't always have to be comfortable. Um, uh, and uh, granted, if it's not your place, the easy way to do it is give them a CD. Listen, to, hey, listen to this uh, CD no, lecture. Or point someone else to do it. Or point someone else to do it. Help. Uh, yeah. When there's a will, there's a way. Put it that way. And I'll tell you like this: If let's say somebody would offer you that building on Wall Street or something, if you do that, you'll find a way to do it. So um, you know. Some they'll, people are just not ready for certain steps. Like they're working. Like I'm working on this. I can't work on everything. So I'm, you know, like right. So, so you're right. And so again, you have to judge case by case situation. But uh, the the idea it still stands. Like let's say somebody just started. You know, he just heard about God and Kippur first Shabbat. You're not going to start screaming about it like everything from Tzniut or you know for everything else, even though it's very important. Granted, you need to actually Tzniut is actually one of the most important things. That's a bad example. But let's say something you know like like uh, um, making brachot or what was that. Tea, making the tea like something, but you, you you work on them slowly, slowly. But the the, the idea is, is that the obligation still stands. The obligation still stands, but it has to be said in the right way, and have, you have to know how to how to present it. It's all about the idea with everything is how you present it. It's how you sell anything. You want to be good in business. It's how, it's not the product so much. It is a product, but the main thing is how you sell it. Yeah. And the idea is if you if you marketing is more important than the product itself. But you see people buy when when the, when the iPad came out. 
iPad came out, I'm like, that is the stupidest idea that everyone had ever, you know, like, why would you want something without a keyboard, you know? And I didn't really think it through, because uh, this is one of the most important, you know, I remember when the first iPhone came out, and I was still on my BlackBerry, you know, I'm like, how do you type without keyboard? That's ridiculous, you know, like, you're gonna, you know, and I, and, and I was like, that's the stupidest thing. And guilty, you know, and you know, it's it, I hate keyboards now, you know. So, so the idea is, it's it's how you present something, how you sell it, and how you do that. The same idea, you give them a rebuke, know how to sell it. You have to know how to sell it. You have to know how to do it. If you think about it, you'll be able to do a really good job. It's not that difficult. You think the problem is you have to put sometimes you have to put yourself in a vulnerable position and open up to them. And when you open up to them, it's uh, going to go very, very far. Are you required to give rebuke on certain things that we struggle with? Oh, next question. What happens if you have the same issue? Let's say you have the same issue. Do you have the obligation to rebuke somebody else if you have the same problem? So there's actually a Gemara in Sanhedrin, page 18a, that says, straighten out yourself and then proceed to straighten out others, which is a good method to lead by. But know that just because you, you, um, you know, you, you're doing the same thing so you can't really rebuke them doesn't mean that you're out of the thing. Now you have two obligations to straighten yourself out. Number one, because you have to straighten yourself out. Number two, you have the obligation to rebuke, but you can't rebuke until you straighten yourself out. But that being said, the, uh, I'll say it straight out. Avenue C, the Shulon Avenue C. The, there's a group of guys that started keeping Shabbat there. You know how they started keeping Shabbat? One guy started keeping Shabbat, and he wasn't really keeping, but how did they start? He says, listen, it's hard for me to do it. Let's do it together. And they got a group of guys together, and the thing is growing, Baruch Hashem. People are starting keeping Shabbat over there. It's ridiculous. People walk 30, 40 minutes in the cold to keep Shabbat over there. They go, yeah, the grocery store. They go over there. It's mamash. It's an amazing, amazing thing. But how did it start? It didn't start with one guy rebuking everybody else and say, hey guys, let's do it together. And a bunch of friends came together and they started keeping Shabbat. So you could always do that. You could always be up front to that person. Instead of giving a rebuke, be like, listen, I know I have to work on it also. Let's do that. I was speaking to some guy yesterday. He was telling me, you know, he has to, um, you know, he works on, you know, preventing making sins with the ladies. You know, he's becoming more religious. And he says one of the people, one, one of his friends used to tell them a lot to not to make sins with the ladies. And that's how he worded it. So that's how I'm wording it. Um, so he goes and, um, and, and he says, but now his friend tells it to him also. So they, they, they got each other's back, basically. So even though you're both messing up in the same issue, you can work in together. And sometimes that's more powerful than actually giving the, the rebuke straight head on. Good? Okay. The, the last thing is... Also, if someone's sinning, pray for them. You're, pray for them. That's the biggest. And we, we see this in Bachot 10a that says Rabbi Meir had a certain area. He had, he had, um, he had his neighbors that were causing problems to him. And he said that, uh, you know, he started praying that, you know, they should die. And his wife, Ruria, said, no, don't pray that they should die. not He says, you know, rather pray that they should stop sinning. And he prayed that they should stop sinning and they stopped sinning. So the idea is, is um, that you should definitely, you know, pray for them, pray for them that they should come find the right path. And Bezat Hashem, everybody should find the right path. And when you give rebuke, you should give it out of love, out of, out of the, 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 part, the warmest part of your heart. And I guarantee you, it goes so far. I want to do like a quick recap on all the questions that we asked in the beginning. So we'll give all the answers. What about the rabbi? The rabbi. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, so I'm, I'm super late. Yeah. yeah, thank you. So the, how do you know you have a good rabbi? You know that you have a good rabbi is if the rabbi tells you that you're doing something wrong. If you have a rabbi, right, like driving to shul on Shabbat, and the rabbi is like, that's oh, a decoy, that check. Whew. Thank you, man. Uh-huh. See you on the golf course on Sunday? He's like, you got it. That's not a good rabbi. Find another rabbi. If somebody is doing something wrong, and your rabbi knows about it, and he's not giving you a rebuke, find a new rabbi. There, a good rabbi is somebody who tells you the way it is, what you're doing wrong, because then it means he cares about you, and he wants you to become better. If somebody all he cares about is his pocket, then it's time to find a new rabbi. So it's very important. Sometimes you see all these strict rabbis. Those are the good ones. Those are the actually good ones that they don't care. And guess what? They get the most heat. 
from the from all the press, and everybody goes against them. And what? Guess what? They don't do it for money. They don't get any money from it. They, you know, they live very simple lives, and they they dedicate their time to do these things. And guess what? This is this is what people get bashed them on. The rabbis that make jokes all the time, and everyone's like, yeah, that's awesome. No one no one speaks bad about them. But the ones that are actually doing something good are the ones that are speaking bad. Know that those are the good ones. Those are the good ones are the ones that wake people up. And this is also when you're listening to a class, you have a, you have a chance to go to Shul Torah. Go to Shul Torah. That's actually going to wake you up. Learning Torah is so important. But it's going to, you learn Torah, by next week you remember 25% of it, two weeks time you remember only the stories. You don't remember anything, but if somebody, you go to Shio Torah that wakes you up, that, that shakes you up, be like, oh, now i, I got to change a little bit, that's not just going to change, that's going to change forever. That's going to change your whole life. Um, You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.